Welcome to the Brooklyn Bugle, a podcast focusing on the trials and tribulations of Car United Football Club. From Michael Rains to Adam Rundle and Dono Reardon to Gordon Owen, we've got it covered. I've just got to cut in here. The the chant, let's get ready to rundle, was possibly one of the worst I have ever heard <laughs> at any Carlisle United match ever. Carry on. Former Sampdoria target Adam Rundle there. Yes. Right? <laughs> well, let's change things up then. That's one of my co-hosts in today's episode. Dan, how are you going? <laughs> yeah, not bad, mate. Good stuff. Yeah, so today, obviously, it's episode 27. We're going to be reviewing the dominant performance in United's 4-0 win over Stevenage, looking ahead to the midweek clash against an improving Mansfield side. And uh, also a bit of news and looking at what ex-United players have been getting up to. Uh, as I've already said, I'm joined by Dan on this episode. Dan, how's it going, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Uh I'm possibly the only Carlisle fan who was a bit disappointed on Saturday. And the only reason is, I thought we should have had five, six, maybe even seven, to be quite honest. I, 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 that's literally the only complaint I could get from the yeah. game. I, it, it, it's it's really nitpicking, but a couple of times you think to yourself, second half, just have to get a go with them. But at the same time, if we'd had a bit of go with them, we might have been in a bit of trouble uh, if we got a bit too close to them, wouldn't we? So, uh, well, yeah, we'll come to that in a minute. More on that to come. Yes, indeed, indeed. Uh, Let's get straight into the news then, because we've got a packed episode. We've got lots of Mansfield Town to come up. I've done a plenty of research on them for this episode. Weirder. I know, I know. A bit weird, isn't it? Um, okay, so a bit of a news roundup. So we, a uh, bit of news about a, a trialist from the Northern League, Dan. Uh, set for a reserves run out potentially this week, weather permitting. So uh, United reserves are due to face Fleetwood in the Central League Cup on Wednesday at Penrith. Uh, that's um, Frenchfield, isn't it, Dan? Um, yeah, uh, but Penrith have said today that there is standing water at the moment, so it's you'd it's imagine fifty fifty. You'd imagine surely they'd be able to switch out to Brenton Park at the last minute if they really needed to. Sure. I, I wonder if it depends how tight the schedule has to be for that comp. Mm, strange one, though, isn't it? Really. Mm. Um, but yeah, so they're due to play at Penrith on Wednesday, and alongside the players who have not really been getting much game time at the moment, players on the bench like Max Hunt and. Uh, Jack Armour, people like that. Um, one player who could feature for United is 22-year-old Hebben striker Chedwin Scott. Now, uh, Scott is a player who's been getting quite a few headlines recently, hasn't he, Dan? It's particularly of his trial spell he had in Newcastle United. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was. He's, he's scored a ridiculous amount of goals. I think it's something like about 24 goals in 15 games or something yeah. for Hebben Town, and. Uh, his form alerted Newcastle, according to the uh, the North East Press, and uh, seemingly he's had a couple of weeks on trial there. And I think what I read when I looked into it was the only reason they haven't took him on is they don't think at 22 he would maybe make it to the level Newcastle need. Now, that's not yeah. to say he couldn't do it in League 1 or 2. Maybe even yeah, the championship. He got some you know. good, he's got some quite glowing references, didn't he, really, for his, the way he performed while he was on trial there. And they seemed to be saying to him, almost like, you're a good player, go and get yourself a football league club. And yeah, yeah. 
prove us wrong almost, you know. We, yeah. we just don't think... I think you're right. The age thing is the difference. If he's been like three years ago, they, he might have got... Yeah, if he was 18, maybe. 19, he'd maybe have got a chance, you know, with uh, under 23s and a couple of loans and that. Yeah. He's got an interesting background, though, hasn't he? Because he's not, he's not like a... a um, Stephen Riggers, who's no, know, just no, coming to the Northern no. League and is only playing at that level. So yeah, he began his career at Huddersfield Town in their academy, and obviously, I think they, they've. I don't think they have the same sort of style of academy there now, do they? I think they got rid of their sort of underage. No, there was possibly. there was some. I think a couple of years ago under EPPP, they were just like, "What is the point?" And yeah, you know that that this is obviously for an, another time. But they basically went, "We've got plenty of clubs we can pick up off from around here." You know, Leeds and Manchester clubs. Why bother? Mm. Which yeah. you can understand. Yeah. So I think he spent four years in their academy, uh, but he left without making a first-team appearance. Uh, his first move after leaving West Yorkshire uh, was to Dundee United. Uh, it's a quite interesting one, wasn't it? It's, really? it's not. It's not a normal sort of uh, yeah. move, is it? But it suggests he has a bit of ability because they yeah. they obviously scouted him and felt he was worth a move. Yeah. Uh, he made three. Appearances in the SPL for them actually, um, and then one in one. I think it was in the Tunnock's Challenge Cup or whatever it's yeah, called for yeah, their under twenty yeah. threes. Um, so he, he had loan spells at Berwick Rangers where he did quite well. I think he got four goals in seven games, and then another one at Arbroath where he didn't manage to score in the, while he was there. He ended up leaving Dundee United and moving back to his native northeast because he's from Hexham originally. So about as local as you can get really isn't he, without I th- being in Cumbria I think, I think he still is Hexham area yeah. from that that seemed to be the suggestion in the uh, well Beach seems to be suggesting that that could play into our advantage in terms of what yeah, we can offer yeah because I, well. I, I would imagine we'll have a couple come over from that where obviously John Mellish and Farman yeah. yeah so that would be a car school wouldn't it yeah so uh, first he moved to Dunstan UTS. Um, I love all the names of the teams out of the North East. It's brilliant, isn't it? Which is uh, right next door to the Metro Centre. Not many people realise that. I didn't realise that. Oh, that's interesting. That. Um, and then obviously onto his current club, Hebburn. So be interested to see how he does. But I mean, imagine one, it's similar to sort of Stephen Riggs, isn't it? If he comes in, scores goals, does well, he's not going to be a massively expensive contract and he could prove to be a hell of a good signing, really, if you can find the back of the net regularly. And he wouldn't be the first Carlisle player to come from a team from Hebben. Oh, go on. Uh, Graham Anthony did play for Hebben Rayroll, who yeah. I think don't exist now. But... Another terrific name for a team, isn't it, really? Yeah. We'll get on some great team names when we talk about Mansfield Town's history in a minute. Yeah. Some belters in there. So, yeah, uh, good luck to Chedwin. Hopefully, uh, he'll do well in that reserve game. You never know. He might end up being a, a new signing for the squad. A couple of a little bit here, Dan. So, this just one quickly to cover. It's looking likely, I'm not sure if it's been confirmed yet, but Cumbria looks like it's going to stay in tier two of the uh, coronavirus. Yeah, I, I saw this uh, browsing the news today and. Uh... Our local MP John Stevenson and I think sort of the the key health officials in the area are, are suggesting that we're likely to remain in tier two for the Christmas and New Year period, yeah, and some... we could possibly drop down. But given that the likes of London are now in tier three, could we end up in another lockdown? Possibly. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Right? Yeah. And the suggestion I seem to have seen is that Barrow. As usual, is dragging the county down. Uh, their figures seem to be a lot worse than West Cumbria. Covid, Cumbria's, football, even, everything. Just, yeah. just, just relentless, isn't it? The way they drag Shit the county on the down. Shoe. <laughs> yep. Next little bit here. So obviously, if, if we do move, sorry, if we do move to tier one, potentially we could have crowds of four thousand, which is not far off our average, really, is yeah, it? Yeah. So it's one of those ones, isn't it? We'll have to wait and see. 
Next bit, this is just a nice little bit I saw on the official website today. Is, um, so Joe Thompson uh, returned to Brunton Park last week to give a talk to United's under-18 squad. Um, those who don't remember, fairly recent player for us, so you should be able to remember. Uh, midfielder Joe Thompson, he signed for us in, I think, was it 2015? I, I was, was going to say about 15-ish, yeah. 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 Um, so Thompson's had a interesting career, to say the least, hasn't he? So um, he actually, interesting fact, he made his debut for Rochdale in the game where United won, pretty much won the League Two title in 2006, he came on as a 16-year-old. I think he was their youngest ever player at that point, possibly. Or one of the youngest players to play. I was going to say, they've had quite a few young players in the last mm. few years, haven't they? Well, that, um, what's his name? He's gone to Wolves. I can't remember his name now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Thompson made, his, yeah, Thompson made his debut in, in that game. But yeah, so he's battled back against cancer twice in his career and come back and played twice, which is quite astonishing really when you think about it but one of the times he came back um i think i don't think we were his first club i think we were his second club back after the first time he battled back from cancer weren't we and i think he had one year deal he, he only really featured generally off the bench but i think he he's always been very grateful for the fact that the club gave him a chance and a chance to yeah, yeah. get himself back up to speed and show what he can do and from there he actually managed to earn himself and move back to rochdale at one point and I think famously when he came back from cancer the second time with Rochdale I remember him scoring a goal on his comeback and he was just mobbed by his teammates I remember that it was quite an emotional scenes but yeah he came up and basically gave our under 18 squad a sort of talk about life generally and overcoming adversity and planning for your for your life beyond football and things like that and from what Eric Kinder was saying and Chris Beach been saying that the young lads really took it in well I mean it's the day after they got beat in the FA Youth Cup we didn't actually mention that last week did we but Really unlucky by the sounds of things in that game. They they should have won it in the second half, but they had a few cleared off the line. So, so just a nice little thing for the young lads there, isn't it, really? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I didn't get to see this youth game. Uh, I was working when yeah, it was, was on. But well. by, by the sounds of it, we uh, we gave a good account against a Blackburn team. And Blackburn are one of those academies that seem to be Shared quite well run. And, you know, you know the, the, the probably a, a standard bearer to measure up against. Uh, yeah. Uh, young Sam Fishburne's in decent form, isn't he? he scored four goals the other yeah, day. Yeah, scored so, four in in a match recently. Ever ever since Beach has just started saying how much he quite likes him, so I, yeah, I, you'd yeah. imagine he's pushing himself towards getting a contract the way he's playing, isn't he? So you would think so. Yeah, yeah. anyone who scores goals for fun at our level, youth level, generally gets a contract. The work, the work for the look, aren't they? Exactly. Obviously, we'll, we'll be talking about one of those who got a contract but didn't really do that well, weren't we? Later. Um, okay, well, let's get on to the match review then, Dan. So uh, let's talk about. The weekend game, so it's Kai Knight 4, Stevenage 0. Goals from Anderton, Coyote, Alessandra and Riley. Gave us a, a pretty comprehensive win. It's now eight wins at her, eight wins out of nine at home in the league this season for United. Uh, as they made uh, just easy work of brushing aside a, a dreadful Stevenage side of Brunton Park, weren't they? Yeah, I think the first goal, uh, if you look on the club Twitter, they've put the GoPro footage up. Yeah. It's a terrible mistake from their keeper. He just goes like, like it, it, yard too far, doesn't he? Yeah, and it it just seems to almost scoop it in, you know. And absolutely typical. If I bigged him up in the pre, big match preview <laughs> for the last one, yeah. I mean, it, that puts him on the back foot, and then when a uh, Coyote ten minutes later gets his head on on the cross, you know, it's that was game over, you know. Yeah, and uh, you know, push pushing on and getting the third just after the half hour. 
you made know. the rest of the game comfortable, didn't he, really? Yeah, he really very, have to get very, off. very, very comfortable. Yeah. Barely had to get out of first gear, really, to and be the Stevenage looked a beaten team come the second half, didn't they? Just, yeah. I thought they were going through the motions, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, the stats were comfortably United's favour and a true reflection of the dominance against the side. I mean, they really do look like one that needs put out of its misery, doesn't it, from last season. They, they look like a side who hasn't really had a chance to put a decent squad together. I mean, that going into the game, the, the record wasn't particularly terrible, was it? I think. Oh, I know they're down at the bottom, but... They've actually got one or two decent players. Yeah. You know, I mean, I know he got sent off on Saturday, uh, Luke Prosser, but mm. he, he's a solid League 2 central defender. Uh, yeah. Romain Vincelot, he's one of those who, if he's in the mood, can take a game by the scruff of the yeah. neck. But... And they were missing Scott Cuthbert, who's their captain and a big yeah, player for them as well. Yeah, so. big, big player, yeah. yeah. But as bad as they were... Can you see them going down ahead of, say, Southend and Barrow? I mean, Southend you know? got a good result the weekend, to be fair, to, to give them a bit of a... I mean, and they're still way off the pace and they probably still will go yeah, down. Yeah, I think they're still four points off, but, aren't they? Barrow massively depends on who they appoint. And as someone was pointing out to me at the weekend, Barrow's big issue is the fact that Bradford have got rid of their manager at the same time. Yeah. So yeah. they're almost... Most half-decent managers at this level are going to be waiting to see... Whether they get the Bradford job before I, they go I, for Barrett. I wonder, the I wonder if I wonder if Bradford getting rid of their manager sort of pushed Barrow into making the decision. Yeah, but it, like I said, it puts them in a difficult position yeah, because yeah. Barrow. Every manager is going to prefer the Bradford job over Barrow any day. Though. Oh Christ, yeah. yeah. If you read the Barrow forum, forum, some of the names their fans were coming up with were make make our fans look. Rational, quite frankly. Yeah. <laughs> the Cowley brothers was one there, man. Yeah, mentioned, uh, Paul is, Cook was another. Just astonishing, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I mean, the, the delusion. They're, they're people who were going sort of top half a league one championship, possibly. You know, yeah, comfortably both of those comfortably. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that result means we've moved up to third place in League Two on goal difference, level on thirty-two points with fourth place Forest Green Rovers, but with a plus ten goal difference and having scored more goals as well uh, compared to Forest Green's plus nine. Newport's defeat in Leighton Orient means that we are now just four points off top spot and one point behind second place Cheltenham who drew 0-0 with Salford City. So let's get on to the main talking points then Dan and the first one I've got here is the stats that matter so we already mentioned there the stats show that United dominated this game with the exception of possession which was slightly in Stevenage's favour they had 54% compared to 46% for us but you've pointed out to me earlier that we retweeted someone on the Cumberlands.net Twitter the other day didn't we about the fact that we winning the ball back but our players basically are in I think four of the top eight or something yeah four, four of the top seven in league two intercepting players I think uh, George Tanner was leading it Callum Guy Nick Anderton I can't remember the four Pos- possibly Hayden makes sense. but you know for for four players from one team to be in the top seven is you know it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, and, it, and the thing is, we do, we win the ball back in there, the opposition half a lot of the time. Although you see, you know, your defenders mostly in there. Both Tanner and Anderton are winning it back on the halfway line, aren't they? They're, they're yeah, pressing they're put, forward. They're, they're pushing up that much, aren't they? And even Hayden's nipping in right on the halfway line as well to get the ball a lot of the time and bringing it forward. So yeah, I think I think with Hayden and Bennett, they, they sort of know when when one can push up and the other can drop in. You know. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the stat that stands out for Stevenage though is that they managed just one shot in the whole game and it was funny one of their fans tweeted a video of it and it literally was <laughs> a volley from 25 yards that pretty much hit the top of the Warwick Road and roof didn't it it was yeah yeah they were yeah. just awful they offered no, Paul, 
we might well, have well they had one corner as well you know that's yeah. I, th- I think we could tells you a lot. we could happily change Paul Farman's kit to the deck chair kit for the rest of the season because that's what he's pretty much going to be doing sitting out and putting a deck chair out if, he, if games go like that again yeah, yeah. it was just far too easy for him and you know we're continuing to bombard teams into submission around right, me. A long mate continue really is yeah. quite pleasing to see. Um, all right, next one in the nick of time. So I think it's fair to say in recent episodes, we might have suggested at the start of 11 right now, Nick Anderton's probably the player that's, not, I wouldn't say the weakest link, but not quite at the same level as the rest of the team. And that's not a criticism of him and his performances. He's still playing okay. We just felt that. If you were going to take anyone out of the team right now, it probably would be him, potentially, wouldn't it? But that really changed on the side. He put a real captain's performance in, didn't he? He was a bit lucky with the goal, but his endeavour up and down the left flank spot, Patrick showed his confidence, is really starting to grow and get to sort of the same level of the rest of the team, isn't it? Yeah, it was you know, a marked improvement on the last two or three games. And as we say, he, has, he certainly hasn't been terrible by any, by any account. You know, he's just... Compared to say Tanner on the right, you know he's he's not being quite at the same level, and uh, no, he was he was very impressive. I mean, I was in the Warwick Road end at the side that Anderton comes down, and uh, there was some nice little bits between him and Patrick. Yeah, and the thing is, is he's not going to be the same as, Ander- as Tanner, is he? Because Tanner's a quite a, fairly pacey, isn't he? And he's got a bit of skill about him, and he'll he'll take on players. Anderton, his delivery still not quite up to it. I think. I think the problem with Anderton is. We've had a, such a good left back in terms of delivery in Granger for a few years that we got used to a left back being able yeah, to put across Gr- like Gr- that. Granger's not as good. Yard he's, not stick, isn't he? he's not going to be as good as that because Granger. No. If Granger had, had any pace by him, he wouldn't have played at our level, would he? Yeah, he hadn't had yeah. injury problems. He'd have played at a higher level. He'd have been consistently playing the SPL for Hearts probably. So you know that you've got to be fair on it. And like I said, he looks much better at the weekend, and hopefully that's a sign of what's to come for him in the upcoming games um, next up all rileyed up I'm sure you'll like that title there Dan it's a terrible one I know um, after a couple of performances were a little bit underwhelming Joe Riley was dropped recently wasn't he and I don't think he was awful but he just wasn't quite playing at the same level again that Mellish and Guy were in midfield was he so Beach decided to give uh, his fellow Bradford recruit Danny Devine a chance to show what he could do and he's really Coming to his own, hasn't he? Since coming to start eleven, he's looked has not looked out of place at all. Um, but Riley showed just how much he's chomping at the bit, didn't he? The weekend with his performance after coming on and scoring. I mean, pretty much two minutes after one of his first touches, wasn't he? It was his his first professional goal, and what what a volley that was as well to yeah. take that left footed first time was and, just and outstanding. So, something something you mentioned about you noticed about this goal. Well, I think a, lot, a few of us noticed this, but it was it was. The great thing is, with only two fouls in there, you can still hear a few little things, and you probably could hear this even with a normal crowd. Although I'd imagine they would have been quite buoyant if you had a good four or five thousand in there for this game. But before the throne was taken, Anderton was moving to go forward, and Riley was sort of sitting back, and Chris Beach just bellowed across to them. He just like, "Nick, Nick, you get back, Joe, get in the box, you get in there." And what do you know? Ball fell to Riley and he hammered it into the back of the net. Yeah, and yeah. He, he couldn't have looked happier, Chris Beach, with that. He sort of had this sort of like slightly sheepish, but slightly like, yep, got that one right, didn't I? Sort of look on his face. And, you know, just sometimes those little things pay off. But I, I have to say, even even taking away his goal, I thought Riley was so impressive when he came on. He really looked a little bit more driven, like he, he was out there to prove a point. And 
someone made a good point actually on Twitter. So this, um, in fact, in fact, I think it was like a Manchester United fan website. Something talking about you know X players and what they're up to. They mentioned about his goal. He's made more appearances this season than he had did in his whole two years at Bradford City. That shows the difference. You can forget yeah. he's, he's come back from a bad injury as well. So yeah, yeah, it just shows how good he's been. And I, I think he could be a really good player for us, couldn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, he's you know it's it's good to have options. I mean, on on a slightly different note, we had Dean Furman on the bench this week dropped because Guy was back. He was in the EFL team of the week last weekend, and he didn't come off the bench this week. Yeah, and yet you know, Guy so, was, Guy was in the EFL team of the week this weekend. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's it's good good to have the options, and you know we can chop and change because, as we've said, you know Mellish is walking the yellow card tightrope, so he may. Although we we found out that the window changes soon, doesn't we've it? We've got two more games left. So after the forest green game, that it then jumps to ten cards for yeah, your yeah. next suspension. So yeah, hopefully the him and Anderton can hold on for those two games. Sorry, was it him and Hayden? I got this wrong last time and I can't even remember now, oh, for God's sake. Shocking research. One, one of the two, anyway. Anyway, Whichever yeah. other one is, uh, well, I think it is Anderton, walking the tightrope. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, they've got a couple of games to hold on for. Yeah. The, the, the next two, uh, we've had mentions for them, but these, these are things that we've we've sort of penciled in for over the Christmas period to look yeah. in more depth going into January. And it, it would it would maybe maybe do us uh, after the Walsall game on the second we could we could maybe do a little special a little sort of yeah. like a halfway report yeah so the next one sort of the, the contract sagas or contract decisions so we will be taking a good more in depth look at this soon like I said possibly before the Christmas games possibly after the New Year not sure because we're gonna like we said before we're gonna combine the Christmas preview for the Bolton Harrogate games just because we just won't have time to record between the Bolton and the Harrogate we'll game just too busy drinking and eating and, and stuff eating and... turkey sandwiches and stuff like yeah. that um, I don't eat turkey sandwiches do you not no okay not after Christmas I'll have them before Christmas but not after oh. Christmas weird anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway but we will talk about two of the contract issues I mean. Obvious ones, aren't they? And the first one to start with, we've been banging on about this one for weeks. But Reese Bennett, surely the club are still. I mean, I imagine they are, and it's just you know crossing T's and dotting I's, whatever. And surely they've got to get him signed up for the rest of the season at least. You would think so. I, I mean, I, I was looking on his. Uh, I think it was his Instagram at the weekend, and you know the players post pictures up of celebrations and i think he'd put something like my guys or something you know and surely some some words have been said already i mean we already know the relationship between bennett and beach and bennett's been round the block he must know when a team's on a good thing you know and even if he only stayed for this season he 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 must know he's got a chance of putting a promotion on his cv Oh, absolutely. That 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 that's a would be a big thing as well. I don't think he's got one today, has he? I don't think because he's only been at Rochdale, Mansfield, and Bolton. So I don't think he'd have won promotion any of them. I don't think. And he's Peterborough, wasn't it? Peterborough, sorry, yes, at Peterborough. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't think well, Peterborough just sort of been stuck in League One for a few years now, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that'll be an interesting. It's interesting you notice that about the whole my guys thing and place that thing. It is. It, it's good to note this season how good the morale is between the players and how close they all seem. And after games, they're all posting you know, pictures up saying, "Oh, what a great bunch of lads to play for." And they all say, even like Coyote, he's only on loan, 
but he, it, it almost seems like he feels like he's part of the the club, doesn't he? Really, he doesn't yeah. feel like he's a lone yeah. player the way he, he acts. It, it just it, it's really refreshing to see because we we know there were some issues last season, wasn't there? And some players just, I mean, we, we obviously know the obvious one in McCurdy, but I, I think we both know, don't we, Dan? That there's a couple more in there who were not really fully signed up to it, were they? Yeah, yeah. Let's just say that way. It certainly wasn't harmonious at times, was it? No, definitely not. And it's night and day this season, the way way things are. The other contract, and this is one we haven't mentioned as much, but I think it is probably just as, if not more important. Well, Chris Beach and his coaching staff, their contract runs out next summer. That's got to be getting looked at as well soon, surely. You don't want to lose him for not much money and he seems quite happy and settled here. Get him signed up for next season at the very least and then you've got a bit of stability and those players also feel a bit more stabilised, won't they? Yeah, you would think so. I mean, could it be a case of let's get January out of the way, see what moves happen and then sit down with him? You'd, you'd hope so, you'd hope so, but it's one of those ones that... I don't imagine he's desperate to get away or move anywhere else at the moment. He knows how well looked after he's been at this club and how settled things now seem to be. So you'd hope that it's just a case of, like, like I said, you, maybe you're right. Maybe they are just saying, look, he's saying, I'm comfortable. I'm not going to be going anywhere. Let's just get January out of the way. Then we'll start getting new deals sorted and yeah, yeah. see where we go from there. But yeah, thanks. I think there's a few people who sent that one. Uh, Simon Clarkson, um, he, he's one of the ones who posted that in the B Justin Fearnock group. So thanks to him for that. Um, January reinforcements. So we've had this one from uh, our old pal John McGee on Twitter asked this one. So the similar sort of note to the contract. So do United need to make, make any additions to their squad in the January transfer window to keep up in the promotion waste? Now, will losing a key player like sort of Wyke a few years ago be a disaster this time round? I'm not convinced it will, you know. I think we spread it out so much across the team and players have I was just dropped going to in. Say, yeah, I think it's... we're all right for that. You know. Yeah, would, uh, two or three players going maybe, but one, not really. Um, I, I would say the comparison here goes back to the mid nineties. You know, when ninety four, ninety five, when we won the league, lost Simon Daly. If, if but if someone had came in for David Reeves, we would have struggled. Yeah. Whereas two years later, ninety six, ninety seven, the goals were just spread around that team. Yeah. And losing one of those players wouldn't have affected them as much. I, th- I think it's quite similar to that. It, it's a good comparison, to be fair. I don't, I'd agree with that. I, th- I think, obviously, the most recent comparison for some of our younger fans might understand is, obviously, Charlie White going in 16-17, uh, was it? God, I can't remember. No, it's not that long ago, but it seems so long yeah, ago. Yeah. When he went, that just killed us, didn't it? Because Proctor yeah. came in and wasn't up to the same speed. Good player, but just wasn't the same sort of player, was he? Well, he was coming back from injury, wasn't he, sir? So. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. It wasn't really the right side. Good player, just not the right yeah, signing yeah. at that time. And also with Jabo out injured as well, just didn't help things either. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I don't think we desperately need to make a lot of signings. I think get Bennett tied down, and then you've got Dickinson and Walker to come back, haven't you? As well, they're, I mean, they're going to be like two fresh players. Really, I, I also think as well because of the the COVID situation, not many teams will be active as much. Yeah, because they don't know the financial situation. You know, if as as we mentioned earlier, if there is a chance of more lockdowns, you know, teams won't want to be seen. And also with uh, the money from the EFL, the Premier League bailout, 
you know, they're going to be monitored if they do splash out. So it, it, it could be sort of the perfect storm for us, you know. Yeah, it could. It, it, and it, it may... It may be maybe the summer before we actually see moves for some of our players. Possibly, I, I think you look at, in attack. We, like I said, we've got Walker and Dickinson to come in, and then we look incredibly well stocked there. You'd imagine Obiero is going to go back to Huddersfield. I can't see that being extended. I, I, Similar I, I, with I would Mali, I think Obiero and Mali, and possibly even Dewhurst. I would I, imagine Sheffield United wanting to get games. They want him to get more games, won't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah. So you know that that's free. Uh, you know, we we'll maybe see Taylor Charters go out on loan because Possibly, Dixon's yeah. Dixon Dixon's up and running again. Yeah, that and makes ma- sense. if Bennett does stay, maybe Max Hunt would maybe go somewhere for a few games. Possibly, but I mean, it it, it just shows you we are well stocked in a lot of areas. Actually, this season we're not in a bad position, and like I said, attacker particularly, even though we haven't got a you know an out and out twenty goal a season striker. We've got so many players ready to come in and perform. And you look at Gimme Toure, he's on the bench at the moment. He's still pretty much topping some of the stats for dribbles this season. Yeah. Even though he's, he's maybe not played a full 90 minutes for about a month and a half. <laughs> it's incredible, really, when you look back at it, that. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I think, John, I think our thoughts are is that, no, I, I don't think it's a problem. Mark Whitfield asked a sort of similarish question to this. He asked... Would losing a key player or the manager be the biggest blow right now? I think I don't think either of us would disagree with this. Manager, if you lost the manager right now, you've got a team there that knows what the manager wants and knows the way he wants them to play. Yeah, I think yeah. it'd be difficult for another manager to come in. All of the way Presley came in to replace Sheridan and stamp their own game on them would be tough because this team's so well drilled now. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. know how to play. So I think yeah. I'd argue if we lost Coyote. It'd be disappointing, but we've got other players who can come in and do jobs. If we lost Beach, I think then we might have a bit of a tough job on our hands to keep ourselves up there. It'd be sort of almost like pot luck, really, wouldn't it? In yeah. terms of who replaces him. So, so yeah, that's our thoughts now. Thanks everyone for sending in a few of those in. Really do appreciate it. Um, that's it for talking about the uh, Stevenage game, isn't it, Dan? Just all yeah, right. Yeah. Good, comprehensive performance. Yeah. We just want to see even more goals. We want to get up to the fives and the sixes, don't we? That's yeah, what we want. Too right. In the coming weeks. Uh, okay, then uh, that's the end of part one. So up after the break, we're going to look at the uh, midweek fixture against, uh, I think it's fair to say, an improving Mansfield town side at Brunton Park. Back in just a sec. Okay, welcome back everyone and we're to part two now we're looking ahead to another midweek clash under the Brunton Park lights I always love the, the games under the lights of Brunton Park don't you Dan it's, it's always a yeah you can't, walk, can't beat walking down on the, the cold winter's night with the Indeed. floodlights coming into Indeed. view so this time it's Mansfield Town of the visitors now they're another side that have been struggling down near the bottom this season but one that I think we both agree are going to provide a much sterner test than Stevenage, particularly after their recent change of manager and the resulting upturn in form that they've seen as a result of that. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be hard to have a sterner test inside, to be honest. <laughs> no, but, no. Uh, yeah. no, but I think we both expected Stevenage to provide actually a, a difficult-ish test. Certainly one tougher than Southend offered, you know, towards the start. Yeah, season, but yeah. Southend actually probably played better than <laughs> yeah. Stevenage, which is, you know, we never thought we'd see that this season, did we? Um, so, yeah... Um, 
So it's a midweek game. Um, I've got the wrong date in here, and I've just looked at the running order. Oh, shocking! <laughs> Absolutely shocking preparation. Tuesday the fifteenth. Exactly. Tuesday the fifteenth. It's seven o'clock kickoff. Remember that it's the last one. We think that's going to be. A seven yeah, this kickoff. this this one was already agreed before the uh, the sudden announcement that fans could return. Yep. Um, referee is going to be Peter Wright. It's not Peter Snakebite Wright. The uh, be good to see a referee with that sort of hairstyle it'd be amazing <laughs> it'd be incredible it? when he comes out to a bit of a what do you call him um, what's his name who does he come out to again Mr Worldwide I can't remember his name now oh, oh. yeah heck. yeah I know oh, you Pitbull mean, yeah. Pitbull yeah. he came out a bit of Pitbull onto the pitch that'd be amazing yeah. it? I, I actually know a lad who's a big Peter Wright fan and uh, mm. he has all the, the trousers when he goes to watch the darts that, that's incredible amazing so yeah um, last game he actually refereed this is the extra bit we're going to start dropping in now is last game he refereed was uh, the 1-0 defeat at Scunthorpe this season I've had a look back at other games he's refereed was nothing particularly controversial though, which is usually a good sign but yeah, you never yeah. know really they've got to make a name for themselves at some point haven't they that's that's the problem. Okay, Dan, so let's get on then to the usual history and facts, uh, looking at a bit of a background on Mansfield Town that fans might not know about. So uh, there's no exact date when Mansfield Town were formed, but it's known that a meeting to form the club took place sometime in 1897 at the Wesleyan Church on Bridge Street in Mansfield. The original club was actually called Mansfield Wesleyan and eventually became Mansfield Town some years later. We'll tell you a bit more about that in a minute. So uh, in the summer of 1906, when the Mansfield and something District League, or whatever it's called, uh, I think it's Mansfield and District Amateur League it was, uh, they dropped amateur from their title, and the hierarchy at the Methodists immediately disowned the football club and forbade them from calling themselves Wesleyans. I, b- I bet there was uproar, uproar at the time. <laughs> Imagine, like, there's, there's an even better one in a minute in, in terms of that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so as a result, the club changed its name to Mansfield Wesley. <laughs> just lazy. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll just slob the Anne off the end. Yeah, That's fine. We'll, yeah. we'll save a couple of pence on stitching. Exactly. So basically, they, they, they moved, I think, to sort of like a higher sort of lo- local district league at that point. Um, uh, in... 1908 and 09 season, there was trouble off the pitch as two of the club's founding members, this Chairman Fred Abraham and Secretary James Marples, both resigned. Now, they were both banned, sin die, so basically indefinitely. For life, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, by the FA for serious irregularities. It turned out they had signed a player on the Sabbath, the day of rest, which was considered quite a heinous crime back then, apparently. Shocking. Send them to the stocks. <laughs> exactly. It's incredible, isn't it? Apparently, the player himself wasn't banned. Uh, he was allowed to carry on playing. So, yeah. interesting that. Uh, in 1910, the club's AGM uh, held a vote to change the team's name to either Mansfield Town or Mansfield United to befit the club's future aims. The town's premier team at the time, Mansfield Mechanics, objected to this, but the change... Sorry, objected to the change, but their protest was ignored by the FA. It just seems ridiculous, isn't it? People, oh, how dare they call themselves that? How dare they? It's like, well, why don't you change your name to Mansfield Town? All right, call ourselves mechanics. Well, well, the mechanics, we fix it, don't worry. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, The club's ground, Field Mill, is believed to be the oldest continuous in use football ground in the Football League, having been used for football since 1861. There's some reports it might have been used since 1850. It's that old. It's also been used for cricket in the past as well. I think it's built almost like on an old quarry, isn't it? It's, yeah. Because it's, it's on Quarry Lane, anyway. Um, it, it's up a massive hill, I remember that. It's just a pain in the ass to get to. Um, so uh, it was previously home to their early rivals, the Mechanics, 
And prior to that, Mansfield Marksmen, what a brilliant name that is for a, a team. Uh, but they were kicked out after failing to keep up their rent during the First World War. Were, were the Marksmen often on target? Oh, <laughs> that's shocking. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm going to have to... Hang on. There you go. <laughs> I can give you that one. I, I wouldn't give Mike that. Mike would get tumbleweed for that one. Um, so yeah, and the Stags have basically played there ever since in uh, 1919. I think they bought the ground a few years later, but the guarantee was that they're only allowed to have sports played there. It was the Duke of something owned the ground and he sold it to them. So yeah, uh, they first joined the Football League back in 1932. And they had quite a few failed attempts in the 1920s to join the Football League. But they, they had a sort of... I think they basically they weren't earning favour with the Northern clubs for some reason. Um, so they switched tack. And to get the support of the Northern clubs, they applied to join the Southern section instead of the Third Division. And I think the season that they got in, there was three clubs up for election for two places. One of them was Norwich City, I think, were in the lowest level at that point. They won the most votes. But then second was New was a Mansfield Town, and the third was an existing club, Newport County, who I think missed out on a place in the league. And Mansfield got their place in 1932. Uh, they only had one season in the southern section, then switched to the northern section anyway, <laughs> to replace Wigan Borough, who'd gone out of business. Traditionally known these days for their colours of yellow or amber and blue, but they've had a number of different kit combinations down the years, haven't they, Dan? I mean, yeah, they've had quite, quite a, few, a mix, they? isn't it? So they've had is red, a few... shirt, red, red shirt with white shorts, yep. uh, black and white quarters with black shorts, sky blue shirt with white shorts, all blue, white shirt with black shorts, and they also had this wonderful sort of sky blue and chocolate brown yeah. effort. <laughs> I think they had that as their centenary kit as well in the late 80s. I think I've seen footage of us playing against them with that kit on as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah they've they, they had quite... The uh, thing is, these aren't even just like kits going back to like the you know the early 1900s or anything like that. Some of these were in like the 50s and the 60s and the oh, 70s. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They really had, they haven't only settled on their co- colour of kit really in the last 20, 30 years. Yeah. Really, look back at it, it's quite incredible. Um, they've only ever won the football two football league titles I think, in their history so that was the third division in 76-77 and the fourth division in 74-75 their 77 year run in the football league came to an end in 2008 as they were relegated to the conference they took five years to win promotion back to the league one of their managers uh, during this time was a certain Mr David Holdsworth wasn't it and yeah. when I was doing the research for this I, I, I mix it up really I sort of look at the club's official website look at like unofficial websites also have a little look at Wikipedia also checking that there's references there. The bit about David Holdsworth's time at Mansfield Town, it's very, very complimentary, to say the least. But there's not many references there. Uh, I'm, I'm not casting any suspicions there. I'm just they, saying... They may, they may be appreciate a good roll-neck sweater. Maybe maybe they do. Um, but yeah, let's just, let's just say that they're very complimentary about how good his playing style was without having any references to any match report or any sort of things saying that so yeah. make of that what you will yeah. um, Un- celeb uns- fans unsurprisingly celeb fans Mansfield isn't a hotbed but the two they do have are pretty well known uh, Olympic gold medal winning swimmer Rebecca Adlington is from Mansfield and uh, I think she sort of goes when it's a, a big cup match and then a, a second one who uh, a Google search did show him involved at the club was the one and only Alvin Stardust. Incredible that one, isn't it? That's yeah. not quite as good as Half Man Half Biscuit, but not not a bad one. Not a bad yeah, one at all, yeah. really. I think he was born in London, but I think he moved to Mansfield as a kid, didn't he? And I think that's why he, 
He sports Manfield, possibly. Yeah. And a, a very random fact from back when I started going away, Mansfield was one of the biggest towns without a railway station. It was, wasn't and it? They, they it reopened... only got one about 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, in fact, it was. I think it was a little bit longer than that because I remember going there in 2000. Yeah, and it's, it's, just, it's just up the road from the ground now. Yeah, I mean, you can, literally, when you get to the station, don't you? You look across and you can see the the, the stands because it, yeah, it's yeah. sort of it, it's quite raised up the station, and then you look across almost like a valley, isn't it? Yeah, and you yeah. can see the ground there. So it's it's on the Robin Hood line, isn't it? That reopened, yeah. I think, about twenty years ago. Head to head record, one of those rare ones where we're slightly behind, aren't we? So we've, not by we, much. Not by much, though. No. We've won thirty one. Uh, there's been eighteen draws, and Mansfield have won thirty two. Uh, our recent record against them is pretty not dreadful, so good, isn't it? it? No. no, just just three wins out of our last fifteen competitive fixtures. One of those was in the um, checker trade, so don't really want to count that. Doesn't count. But, but there you go. Um, last time we met, uh, we played a quite an exciting two-two draw last season, didn't we? It was back in February, just before the lockdown, and um, Elliot Watts scored with a basically was an overhit cross, wasn't it? Essentially, yeah. caught the keeper out, and then. In the last minute of injury time, Joshua Coyote, Coyote sorry, got a very dramatic equaliser, didn't he? Um, sort of bundled it in. He, when you look at the view behind the goal, it looks like he might have handled it into the net, but who cares, really? It was, yeah. it, it was, the, the best thing about that is his celebration and how much it meant to him as well. It was yeah, yeah. really great to see. Okay, well, let's get more up to date now, then, Dan. Let's talk about the current Stags team. So they've quite heavily invested in their squad recently, haven't they? Their owner has put a fair bit of money into them. But they've not really had much to show for it, have they? They've not really got anywhere close to sort of promotion. No, it's, 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 uh, John Radford's put a fair bit of money yeah. in, to be fair, and I would he hasn't really got a return for it, has he? No. You know, I, I know, I know his, uh, his wife Caroline tends to make the headlines now and again, but you know, between them, they have, they have invested a hell of a lot of time and money, and mm. they've, they've treaded water. Yeah, I think one of the big issues they've had is they've been buying back the ground, haven't they, over the last seven or eight years, yeah, I think. Yeah. And I think they completed that last year, so that might have had a slight effect, I don't know. But yeah. I mean, expectations were still quite high for them this season, but they had a pretty disastrous start, didn't they, with Graham Coughlin in charge. I, I think I said this in the season preview, didn't I? I never quite understood why they appointed him as manager. He'd not really done anything at Bristol Rovers, when you look yeah. back at it. And... The suggestion was from some people that he only got the job because he was fairly local to Mansfield. That's where he was. He lives these days. <laughs> yeah. it, it was yeah. a strange one, wasn't it? It was. It didn't. It just didn't make any sense to to give him the job really. And yeah, when there was other yeah. better managers available, um, we'll also get on to who replaced him in a minute. And I think we both agree a very good appointment for them. So yeah, I mean, until that change of manager, it was looking like there was potentially in danger of a return to the National League after. Just seven years back, it would have been yeah, a yeah. bit of a disappointment for them, that. Um, the format's picked up in the last month or so, though. We're seeing them sort of just slightly start edge over and not massively away, but they're starting to move in the right direction, aren't they? Away from sort of the, the, the free the of tight, Tightening up, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. I that. would say they're tightening up and the manager's putting the basics into them, isn't he? Exactly that, exactly that. So obviously their form's picked up. They, they haven't been losing many games. Outside of the playoffs, only Walsall and Salford have got less defeats than them. And they've, yeah. they've lost as many games as we have. Five games. Yeah, yeah. The big difference is they're drawing loads of games. They yeah. can't win games. So they're currently 19th place on 16 points. We've recorded, played 17, won two, drawn 10, lost five, uh, with 18 goals, four, 
23 goals against and a minus five goal difference. And they're currently just three points above second bottom Stevenage. Uh, but I mean, their recent upturn form definitely has helped a lot. They've lost just one of the last six games and are in 11th place in the form table with two wins, three draws and one defeat in the last six. That, yeah. That's good solid form. That is. And if they yeah. continue that form, they'll pull away from trouble. And I, I can't see them being in trouble at the end of the season no, with no, the players they've got. They'll, they'll have enough to get into mid-table. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the last time out, they were they drew one one with fellow strugglers Grimsby. I mean, that that's an important draw for them as well because they lose that game, they suddenly drag back into the trouble, aren't they? Really? Yeah, and Grimsby get ahead of them all, you know. Exactly. Their the last win came two weeks ago, winning one nil at Cambridge United. Who was just that's, starting that's, to that's drop. a decent result, that isn't it? They are starting to drop down the table a little bit, though. Yeah. Cambridge that early run of form for Paul Mullins just starting yeah. to dry up a little bit, which is not helping them. Um, they are through into the third round of the FA Cup after seeing off National League side Dagenham Redbridge in the second round, but I mean their rewards are about as rubbish as yeah. you can get, isn't it? That they're, they're a trip to Cheltenham Town, a team that don't lose many games. So yeah, yeah, not not a great one for them. Right, let's get on to the manager then. So I mean, Nigel Clough, alongside Ian Holloway, probably the most impressive managerial appointment at this level for a while, you'd say. Yeah, yeah, easily, definitely. I mean, I mean, Clough's father may be one of the most revered managers. In English football, Brian, that is, of course. And if you don't know who he is, then God help you. But he's carved out a really good managerial career for himself, hasn't he, really, when you look at it? I mean, obviously, most of it's been at one club, the, the, the good stuff. But he, he did. I think he did okay at Derby and Sheffield United as well when he was there. Um, so he's probably best known for his work at Burn Albion, where he finished his career as a player after spells with Forest, Liverpool and Manchester City as well as 14 caps for England. You forget that he was a pretty good footballer himself, wasn't he? And yeah. He sort yeah. of played as a forward, but I think he sort of dropped deeper to be a midfielder in his later years. Yeah. So uh, he managed the Brewers for 11 years, from 1998 to 2009, before earning the chance to follow in his dad's footsteps at Derby County. And he left Burton. They were 13 points clear in the conference, weren't they? And I think they eventually went up to the league that yeah, season. Yeah. But they almost missed out, didn't they? I think they had a really rotten run in the last three or four games that nearly cost them a place, but... They just about did it in the end. Um, didn't really work out for him at Pride Park, and he had another two-year spell at Sheffield United after that, and then he returned to Burton. He, he wasn't too proud in that he wasn't saying, I can't go back there, I can't drop to that level. He dropped down to League One with them for a second spell, and he performed a minor miracle, didn't he, getting them up to the championship in second yeah, place yeah, yeah. from there. And then even, arguably, even bigger miracle of keeping them in the championship for one season, or two seasons, sorry. Yeah. Quite impressive. Um they eventually got relegated back down to League One. They got to the League Cup semi-finals in 2019, famously <laughs> losing 10-0 to Manchester. I mean, I think many other teams would have lost that quite comfortably, the teams that City oh, yeah, were putting yeah, out in those yeah. games. They were strong teams, weren't they? Yeah. He left the Brewers this summer, and it was quite decent what he did, wasn't it? He basically, yeah, he, he basically stepped aside so that you know the tea lady and the cleaners could keep their jobs. Yeah, essentially, because he was he knew, he was on a big wage, wasn't he? And yeah, I think yeah. he prob- at the back of his mind he probably thought there's not much more I can do at Burn Albion really. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Pushing on what fifteen years here as a manager in the two spells, and he could he knows he could have have a year out, have a couple of years somewhere else, and he'll always get a job at Burton if if he needs one and they need a manager. Exactly that, exactly that way. Well, he didn't take a couple of years did he? he only had about three or four months out, and he's back in management in Mansfield. And like I said, I think he's gen- I think he's it's. A, Probably the smartest appointment they've made for a while. I think all the other appointments yeah. they've made, you look at them and you think, really? But I think they've finally got a man who knows the, knows this league, knows the football league, knows how to put a decent team together. And 
he had a reputation, didn't he, in the conference years? His team was called Burton Animals by a lot of people because they were pretty... I mean, people might say we're a physical side now, but they were basically just hack teams to bits a lot of the time. But they'd get results. <laughs> that was the key thing, wasn't it? Um, look at their squad then, Dan. So it's quite a stark contrast to Steven, isn't it? Yeah. There's plenty of quality in this squad. I've picked a few key ones out here, obviously. Marek Steck. He's a good keeper at this level, yeah, isn't he? of course he is. You know what you're getting with him. Ryan Sweeney went for... Big money from Wimbledon to Stoke City, I think it was, about a few years ago. Yeah. Quarter million, something like that. Obviously, he's ended up back at this level, but you know he's a good player. I mean, in midfield, you've got Harry Charsley, who's a good you know, good creative player. Jim James Perch has played at the highest level, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, and up front, you've got three forwards in Nicky Maynard, Jordan Bowery, and of course, Andy Cook, who, you know, they can get you goals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cook, Cook being the, uh, the one next. Carlisle Link. Yeah, indeed. I mean, it's weird. He, he, he never. He's one who. He, they reckoned as a goal scorer, he was a better goal scorer than Gary Medine in the youth team. Yeah. But Gary had a bit more about about his all round game, and yeah. Gary had a bit more drive to get himself up to the right level of fitness and stuff like that. Andy Cook. Cook, did, Cook just took his time to sort. Cook, of... I think Cook was a little less mature than Medine. Yeah. Uh, people are going to be laughing when they hear those words. Someone who's less mature than Gary Medine. I know. Yeah. But in terms of the way they... F- physicality. Physicality. And, yeah. and, he, and he's actually... He turned up for that. Because he, he had that one year as a professional, didn't he? And then he, he broke his ankle when he was on loan at Barrow. And it's not out of pity. I think the club would be fair to him and say, look, you haven't had a chance to do it. We'll give you another year to, sh- to show what you can do. And he turned up to that pre-season overweight. And he was... And he, I'll say it's not... He was struggling to keep up with... Some of the older players, and even like Tony Cage and people like that, he was struggling to keep up with them. Yeah, in yeah. the preseason runs, and I think that that point, I mean, that's the point when Greg was like, he's not going to make it with us right now. He just yeah, hasn't got that yeah. gene, and he had to go to non-league, get his goals, show what he could do, and also he earned his move to Tranmere, didn't he? And he did really yeah, well yeah. with them. And I think he's still quite popular there. I think he had a loan spell back there at the end of last season didn't quite work out again, but yeah, he, he's one that we're going to have to keep an eye on. I'd put money on him to score. I know we. We look better defensively, but you just know he's going to score, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Just, just the way it is. Um, for, for us, we've got Reese Bennett and Max Hunt, who had a spell as a youth player at uh, Mansfield Town, and yeah. Bennett was there a few years ago, I think it was, wasn't it? So, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, when when we, we're just going to go on to team news now, yes. uh, the one you've forgotten to write down uh, will be if George Tanner has is all right after yeah, this. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good point, actually. I completely last, forgot last about minute, that. Last minute... They don't seem to have said anything. Now, that might just be Beach wanted to keep it quiet so that no one clicks on to the fact that he's going to be missing for this game and Joe Riley can obviously slot in there if we need to. He's played right back before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a good point. He would be a big miss if he wasn't available. I'd be very surprised if he hadn't been for at least an X-ray to check it out. You'd think so, wouldn't you? But he, yeah. he didn't look totally uncomfortable. I think it was just a case if they were down to 10 anyway, it was injury time. There's yeah. no point in putting him back on just for the sake of it. Let's just take him off and we'll, we'll yeah, carry on yeah. with 10 men. And, you know, the game was seen out, wasn't it? Um, so, yeah, you mentioned there, George Tanner, we'll have to wait and see what happens with that one. Rod McDonald, it sounds from what Beach is saying, he's pretty much available now. We just we might not risk him for this. We don't really need yeah. to, do we? That's the thing. No, he may be on the bench, you know. Yeah. Would you drop Hunt at the moment? Hunt, Hunt can do a job and, you know, yeah. possibly mm. not. I don't know. So, yeah, hopefully he'll be back from his groin injury. Uh, other than that, it's just Conor Malley, Brennan Dickinson and even Walker all still out and that's it yeah. really isn't it so yeah it, it's, it's looking good got a, pretty much a full squad there um, Mansfield team news uh, 
Joe Riley looks set to miss out due to injury. No, you've That's not misheard the, the, the me. The other Joe Riley. There's two Joe Rileys, isn't there? This yeah. one started out of Bolton, didn't he? He's from Salford as well. Like, um, is Joe Riley from Salford as well? Al Joe Riley? I can't remember. But basically, they're both sort of Manchester lads, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, he he looks uh, set to miss out due to injury. I think it's a long term injury for them. Um, they have been boosted by the news that winger Stephen McLaughlin has signed a new contract until the end of the season. I've got some more team news there because Mansfield Town, very kind of them, they've put their team news up just before we started recording on their website. So uh, it looks like defender Je- well, James Perch is going to be assessed leading up to the fixture. He's had a hamstring injury since, so he might miss out. That'd be quite positive for us. Yeah. Um, midfielder George Maris, they signed from Cambridge in the summer, and uh, Nicky Maynard and Andy Cook uh, are both likely to be in contention. I think they put knocks at the weekend. It yeah. looks like they're going to be involved. Come on then, Dan, let's have some predictions for this one. After Saturday, I've got to go for a win. I'm going to go for 3-1. Okay. okay. And I'll I'll go for... Ooh, I don't know who to go for. I'm going to say an Alessandra penalty. Amari Patrick is due a goal. And Dean Furman. Oh, we think Dean Fem is going to come on and score. Either come on or maybe even start. Who knows? But yeah, interesting. Yeah, a random, random one. Interesting. Uh, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with 3-1 as well. I think it'll still be quite a tight game. I think we might not get the third till later on. But I'm going to go for 3-1. And I'm going to go for... I think Coyote's going to get another. I think... I think Callum Guy's going to get a goal finally. And... Reese Bennett's going to get back on the score. She's going to score against his former club. So there you go. Yeah. Coyote, Guy and Bennett. And Andy Cook's going to score for Mansfield, basically. That's just <laughs> written in the stars, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, well, it's, that's the preview done then, Dan. Let's uh, move on to the last section. That's the X-Files. So that's where we look at what uh, ex-United players and coaches have been getting up to across the world in the last few days. Um, busy weekend again for goals, wasn't it? Yeah, goals galore. Uh, Jamie Proctor scored for Newport. Uh, Charlie White got a couple more for Sunderland who had an excellent win under the new manager he's doing really well Mike isn't he this season yeah, I think a lot he's of their... scored 7-15 in 15, I think in yeah. the league and then and a, a lot... couple more in the cup a lot of their fans were quite negative towards him saying he was useless yeah, and not too much yeah. and I know a lot of their fans are saying that about Danny Graham now <laughs> apparently yeah. he's the one getting the stick I mean I'll be honest yeah, if you get Danny Graham back on loan from them in January <laughs> probably take it good experience striker yeah. Uh, Reese James scored for Doncaster one yeah. who doesn't score many goals uh, Kyle Dempsey scored for Gillingham uh, he scored he scored the other week as well didn't he so yeah. Dempsey like, I, I keep forgetting he's only 24 Yeah, he was 18 yeah. wasn't he when he, he yeah. first seen appearance for us and it was only 6 years ago he left it seems so much longer doesn't it it's, it's incredible and yeah. another of the regular features Paddy Madden scored for Fleetwood <sighs> If the day, if then, the day ends at a Y, he's probably scoring. Yeah. And then the the main one, which uh, I know there's been a bit of coverage of, uh, Ryan Bowman got his second home hat-trick in a row in Exeter's uh, 5-0 drubbing of Tranmere. He's doing really well this season, isn't he, Ryan? It's, it's yeah. nice to see, actually, because you quite often see these lads in our youth team who get their first-year pro contract, maybe get seven or eight performances, then go away and sort of fade into obscurity with Workington and Penrith and teams like that. Yeah, he's really gone away and, and done it, hasn't he? And he, he's yeah, done the yeah. hard graft and earned his right. Yeah, and he's uh, he's really really liked down at Exeter by yeah. all accounts. And the other one of note was a former fullback who's now at Barrow, Connor Brown, was sent off in their four-two defeat at Crawley. Uh, as we've mentioned, the result that cost David done his job. He, he 
you know what? I, I saw the quest highlights from this game, and it looked like his head was not in the right place, Brown. I think he, he did he win a penalty or something, or he was going to win a penalty or a free kick at one point, and he proper lost his head about it, and he was going mad. That's before he got sent off on a thought. I thought that was what I thought, I thought first when I saw that. I thought, oh, this is where he gets sent off, and I was like, oh no, it's not. So, so clearly, he, he just wasn't stable yeah, in that game. Yeah. I think so. So yeah, um, bit of a yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens at Barrow. I think uh, as someone messaged me the other day saying, "Really disappointed we're not playing Barrow in the next few weeks because we <laughs> probably absolutely annihilate them." Yeah, the sort yeah. of form they're on now. Um, that's it, Dan. It's a yeah. busy, busy episode, but I think we've covered all we can. So your your, your obsession with Mansfield facts. <laughs> you know, it's one of those ones. Sometimes I get like a concise figure online that I can look yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. But I was picking up all these little bits from different places, and I thought, yeah. oh, why not? I don't think the Forest Green episode for the next one will be quite as comprehensive. Well, it's going to be a little bit different than the Forest Green episode. Yes. I'll explain that in a minute. But um, yeah. uh, first up, basically, in fact, no, let, let's explain it now. So basically, what we've done, we're going to start trying every now and then to get opposition fans on to discuss. Um, from other podcasts. Some other podcasts and things like that to discuss the games coming ahead. Um, for this one, what we've got is there's a Forest Green podcast called Heaven's Devils. And it's not just two Forest Green fans from Gloucestershire talking about it. It's two Forest Green fans from New York City, USA. <laughs> They've adopted Forest Green as their team. You'll, you'll, when you listen to the clip of me having a chat with the two guys, you'll, you'll get the story behind it. But essentially, they're very uh, eco-minded, these guys. And they, they, they follow English football. They follow Arsenal and Fulham, I think it is. Um, and they thought, we want to like adopt a team of the low leagues. And they, they were looking into teams and they saw the story behind Forest Green and what they do and all the community initiatives that they do. And they're, they're, I've said to them, Dan, we're both fascinated by their new stadium, aren't we? Yeah, it just looks yeah. completely different to anything else you, you'll see. And we quite like that, that they're trying to do something a bit different. And he, yeah, they basically said, oh, do you want to appear on the show? We get someone regular. And said, well, we'll get you on our show as well. So we're going to... It, 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 I'm not sure how long it's going to be. I might have to edit down a little bit, but we're basically going to play a bit a clip of that before me and Dan or, or Mike talk about the Forest Green game. Um, it, it's going to be an interesting game, that one, isn't it, I think? Because it's really proper promotion six-pointer very early on, isn't it? It is, but when you look at our record at Forest Green, we're unbeaten in four trips. I, I did Sorry, you know, eight trips, I think it was. You know what? I let them. I let them give a little spiel about oh, they think we they were going to win, and when they were finished, I said, "I hate to break it to you, lads, but we've never lost it for yeah, a screen." And they were like, it, "Oh, great!" Is it four wins and four defeats now? I think something like sorry, that. Sorry, sorry, four wins and four draws in eight trips or something. Yep, something like that. So we've, yeah. we've got a hell of a good record there, to be fair. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we're going to do something a bit different for that one. Um, I'm going to be appearing on their podcast, so I'll post a link up to that. You can have a listen to me rabbiting on. I think I talked for about 30, 40 minutes, so they're going to try and edit it down to 10 minutes, I think, <laughs> somehow. God knows how they'll do it, bless them. Um, so yeah, that'll be coming up. And also, I had a small 30-second clip on the Sky Sports EFL podcast this weekend. They asked me to contribute something towards that, so give that a listen if you get the chance. Um so yeah, if you've got any feedbacks or comments about uh, the episode or anything we've done really or want to make any suggestions for stuff you want us to talk about, get in contact. All the usual places. We're on Twitter at Brunton Bugle. Email Bruntonbugle at gmail.com. 
we're on the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group. We're always on there talking, and we've had a few suggestions on there from people what they wanted to talk about. We're potentially going to do a special about the 80s, aren't we? We've had a few people asking yeah, about that. Yeah, we, we need to get sorted for these. Uh, we've got that many specials lined up, and... I'm getting dog to be for my brother as well, because I keep saying we're going to be doing potential sort of ex-players, yeah. and we're, we're not going to drop names yet until we're all confirmed, no, but... We're, we're, We've got a very some, special one to start, I think. Some of, some of the ones we've got lined up are superb. Excellent. They're going to be great. Um, if you haven't already, remember you can subscribe to the podcast via all good podcast apps. I mean, you probably have if you listen to us every chance you have. Um, whether it's Acast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, any podcast app like that, if you search for Brunton and Bugle, you're probably going to find us. If you can't, on the one you like to use, let me know and I will try and get a spot on there because usually there's a way around it and way to get it sorted. Yeah. Um, and obviously, when you do subscribe, when we drop the new issues, they're, you know, they're automatically there for you to download. Exactly. And if you can give us a review as well, like a five-star review, that way more people get to hear about us and we move up the football podcast charts and things like that or stuff like that. It'd be, be really great. The world's map of listeners, Dan. I'm afraid to break it to you. There's, I don't think there's a new country on. Disappointed. Very disappointing. But we, our, our listener in Brunei has listened three times now. Well, also, the Formula One season finished at the weekend because we, we suspect there may be someone involved in Formula One listening, don't we? Possibly, possibly. Because some, some of the venues sort of seem to match up. They certainly do. Obviously, Bahrain was the obvious one. We had a few there. Yeah. Um, it was we, maybe Lewis when he was on his... Uh, <laughs> Isolation, indeed. Um, well, it could have been because we're Stevenage. Stevenage. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You never yeah. know. Um, as well as that, you've got Turkey. We've got a listener back in Turkey again. We've got Denmark. Well, I think we know who Denmark we, is. We know don't who we? Denmark is. Yeah, yeah. that that, that loon will be definitely listening. Uh, no doubt about that. Um, yeah, Chile, Canada, Ireland, all the usual places. Our Luxembourg listeners still listening in. Our Norway listeners still listening in. So we we know who say. some of you are but some of you are complete mysteries get in touch get yeah. in touch tell us tell us how you're following the blues from yeah. abroad we really want to know about it it's, it's really interesting to hear how fans because it is probably similar to the way we've been following it for a lot of the seasons so it's it's probably even a special we could do in the off season we could get one or two of our our international blues on for a quick chat about Absolutely. why yeah let's get so if that appeals get in touch we'll, we'll, Indeed. we'll get in touch Indeed. Well, that's it for this episode. We'll be back later in the week for the Forest Green uh, preview. Dan, good to catch up with you. Maybe catch up with you after the game on Tuesday from a social distance, we should say. We'll have to wait. Yeah, it should be good. Should be good. Uh, Could be good. So, cheers. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, up the blues. Up the blues.